Welcome to the Defiant Business Podcast. A business podcast produced by Defy the Status Quo for forward-thinking businesses and savvy professionals looking to defy the status quo of mediocre customer experiences, barely surviving businesses, and haphazard business development. We'll explore best marketing and sales practices, improving business processes, attracting your ideal clients or customers, striking your perfect work-life balance, business basics, intentional inclusion in business, and so much more. Thank you for joining me today. Let's do this. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Defiant Business Podcast. I'm your host, Ruthie Bowles, the founder of Defy the Status Quo, where we're helping professionals evolve their online presence into authentic personal brands. And today I have with me Sally Mildren, who joined me for a her previous episode, the one just before this, where we learned a bit about her entrepreneurship journey as the CEO of Boss Lady Consulting. So Sally, thank you so much for joining me again today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And I am very excited about this topic. So if you want to know more about Sally, her entrepreneurship journey, the work that she does with clients, you definitely want to go back and listen to the episode just before this one, because we dive into all of that, because today's episode is going to be focused on creating some awesome content around Sally's area of expertise. And so we're going to be talking about the top mistakes that companies make when they're implementing customer experience programs. And this is not my area of expertise. So if you're wondering, hey, I don't really know a lot about this, well, buckle up because you can sit right next to me while we learn more about this. So Sally, I am all ears. What's the first top mistake? Well, I think that people want to instinctively align to a tactic or a strategy without really evaluating where they're heading. So the first mistake that a lot of organizations make is to not define what their ideal customer experience looks like. What are you heading to? Where, where you're at now isn't working, but you have to know what it, your goal state looks like. And as an example for the, a health insurer I worked for, our ideal customer experience state was more help and less hassle. Simple. It gave the picture. It didn't specifically paint out every single step of it, but it gave us directionally where we needed to head and gave us something to measure ourselves by if it was effective. Okay. And so what, like, have you seen any of the consequences of, of getting married to that tactic or strategy before figuring out where they're going? Like any consequences of that? Yes, it's easy to, as it is with marketing, to say, oh, this is a new thing and chase after it. And your effectiveness is diluted, you money, because it's not well-informed strategy. And in the case of customer experience, I've seen folks get started on a journey and then it falls off the minute that a leadership changes or the minute that there is any shift in budget or whatever, because there's never established a true commitment to where are we heading as an organization. The buy-in from executive leaders will fall off the minute that there's any kind of squishy, non-provable 
progress in customer experience, especially in healthcare, because it's so new to this field. Mm-hmm. It's been talked about for years, but it's really new in implementation. So the fallout is pretty significant from just charging off into action. <laughs> okay. And there's some, there were some things you said there that I could definitely empathize with. Like, and I know uh, a lot of consultants, right? We often develop a relationship with a particular person at an organization. And then if that person moves, the question is, am I still working with this organization or no? You know, and so I've, I've definitely had some clients, you know, just kind of, we kind of parted ways just be, you know, just for that very reason, because, you know, maybe a new CEO comes in and they've got different priorities. They don't believe in the same things as the previous CEO. So I can definitely understand that. And I think that is something, you know, a lot of consultants can understand. Mm-hmm. So what would you consider the second top mistake to be? The second mistake is, is similar. It's not getting the proper buy-in. And in healthcare, you need that buy-in from the leadership and the providers. You can't, as a CX executive or a marketing executive or whatever the role is called, you can't adopt a mission to improve customer experience without the buy-in from the chief medical officer. Because ultimately, to really implement customer experience right, you need to shift your culture. It's an organizational thing. And that will feed into what we talked about is if a leader changes, if it all goes out the window, then there wasn't a true cultural buy-in. And I think that the way to get that buy-in is by really speaking to those leaders' pain points. Just like you would your marketing audience, you have to know what is their neck on the line for and what is the board or the CEO or whoever expecting of them. What are their revenue goals or volume goals, fixing retention, improving your reputation? You have to be able to align your plan to those organizational goals in order to truly get the buy-in to create the cross-cultural shifts that need to happen. Yeah. Okay. So you have the experience of actually being in these organizations. So you've, you've had to go through this process yourself, right? Do you have like a tip or two maybe that you can share with some people who are, you know, still working that, you know, trying to get that buy-in maybe so they can bring in someone like you to help their organization? Sure. So in healthcare, star ratings are a very big deal for insurers. Um, For a Medicare Advantage plan, the difference is $500 per enrollee per month difference in a one-star shift. And so it's a big deal. It impacts your ratings. It impacts when you are allowed to enroll patients. Mm-hmm. For providers and hospitals, it impacts your reputation. And people trust a higher star rated organization or hospital more than they would a one star. It mm-hmm. goes way beyond a Yelp review on a restaurant <laughs> when you're talking healthcare. So you know, we when we presented this in one organization, our approach was to demonstrate how improving the customer experience would help improve our star rating. And now, starting in 2021, Centers for Medicaid and Medicare have quadrupled the weighting of customer experience on the star rating for hospitals, insurers, physicians. 
So now more than ever, as much as 40% of your star rating is going to be based on customer experience questions on the national surveys. And so that right now serves up an easy buy-in plate for people seeking to improve customer Absolutely. Wow. And and I think probably the beauty of that, because a customer experience is, a, I think, kind of like a lot of things in marketing where we can struggle to attach a price tag, yeah. right? Like there, there's research studies and things and you can say, hey, for organizations similar to ours or, or just kind of writ large that, you know, X tactic or strategy produces whatever results. But in this case, specifically for, for healthcare, when you're talking, you can talk about customer experience. And then the differences, like you said, the financial differences between those different stars, you know, so it's like, hey, we got to do something to fix this, right? And so how I think we, you and I have talked about this. So I just want to make it clear. How are these organizations given their star ratings? Like who, who decides that? Well, there are, and this is part of the shift that has happened is that there are national surveys. There's a CAP survey, which is a consumer assessment survey that is read, given each spring mm-hmm. and the patients themselves rate the health plan on all manner of factors on the doctor. It's, it's their rating insurers, their rating physicians, their rating hospitals, emergency departments, all of those things. And the questions, that's a new shift because it used to be a whole different survey body. And now the CAP survey is a much greater portion of their survey questions are around the customer experience, around communication. There's actually a question on the CAP survey that says the front staff were courteous and helpful. So if you have a crusty receptionist at the front desk, that is going to have a weighting on your star rating as an organization. So that's why the end-to-end view of identifying where your pieces are, it's not only incumbent on the provider and their interaction with the patient to determine the star rating. And that is historically a mindset that people, oh, well, the doctor wasn't nice or didn't whatever, but it's the medical technologist, it's the receptionist, it is the website, it is all of the communication that ultimately has an impact. And the consumers themselves are rating. And CMS takes that in part with other quality and safety ratings, and they get their star rating. So The thing I'll point out is that in 2021, the surveys this spring Mm -hmm. will be the 2023 star rating. So there's no time to waste. Oh, oh, yes. Way in advance. And so So you could be locking that in right now. Yeah. And then you're going to be stuck with it. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Okay. Wow. Yeah. They do work way far in advance. Okay. Thank you for that. That's very interesting because it makes me rethink. Um, I mean, and I, you know, I was in the military, so the military works on a bit of a different system, but they do have us do like surveys and things. I kind of wonder where, where that went, particularly because with the military being so different, uh, we always made the joke that, you know, this is where doctors came when they couldn't work anywhere else type of deal because we can't get away from them. But I wonder how things would be different if if they had some type of 
you know, system where, you know, providers and, and everything could be, be rated, but I digress. And that's a conversation for another time, probably because I want to know what mistake number three is. So mistake number three is to not truly use data to decide where you're going to focus. It's easy to take one isolated answer on a survey or one anecdotal kind of situation that keeps showing up in your organization, or worse yet, this is what the leader said. And, you know, we need to honor and hear our leader, but we also need to verify those issues with other sources of data. So taking a look across the organization at your surveys, at the feedback, maybe over your grievances or complaints that are coming in, looking at call logs, what are the primary reasons people are calling? Um, A lot of organizations have recorded phone centers and that with a voice language processing is a gold mine of unsolicited feedback that could really inform the decision-making on what you're going to address as an organization. Otherwise, you march off with your solution in mind, and that may not be the primary trigger of what needs solving. And in the case I shared in episode one about we had terrible patient scores, like under 40% patient satisfaction. That's not, that's not pleasant. And we could have decided all sorts of reasons why, but when we boiled down, we changed the way our call center greeted when they answered the phone. And that was one of the biggest drivers. That and the marketing material, simplifying it, moved the needle more than 30% in two years for patient satisfaction. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Um, I love, I love what you're saying here about the data, right? Seeing to find out where the problems really are. It makes me think of um, another guest that we had on from a DEI perspective who talked about the intersectionalities of data, which you can probably appreciate. And that was a really, that was really fascinating. Just looking at the different stories that our data can tell us um, and just making sure don't look at your data in just a 2D way because you may have like affirmation bias because you think you've already got an idea. If you can kind of change your perspective and how you view it, bring in, you know, external perspectives like, like your own, then you can make sure that you're actually making the best decisions for your organization as opposed to, as you said, just kind of getting an idea and running off with it, you know, with that affirmation bias. So, And I would say making the best decisions for the patient. For the patients. We too often make the best decision for the organization, thinking we need to drive revenue, need to drive this. But I would argue the organization that puts the patient truly first and does what's best for them will see the revenue improve, the retention improve. They will see referrals improve. And I've seen that myself in my experience through various hospitals and organizations where truly the shift is from our own business goals to the patient that will drive success. Yes, that's right. With the the loyalty, right? You feel that loyalty. My husband loves his doctor absolutely loves her. She listens to him and he feels heard and understood. And he's a veteran as well. So he and I both know what it feels like to be like, you know, shuffled along, stop complaining, drink water. (laughs) 
and you're like, <laughs> I think my foot's broken. I don't know if water's going to sort this out. And like, we're still not giving you an x-ray. So we know what right. it feels like not to be listened to. So I guess, you know, there really is a lot. And as you said, coming to what can seem kind of as a huge organization with, with all of these different faces in it, and you're coming to them usually in a very vulnerable state, mm-hmm. that customer experience aspect really is key. It's like, it's like the bedside manner of your entire organization. Mm-hmm. It is. That's a good way and like you it. said, it's not just the doctors who are responsible for that. Right. Right. And the, you know, McKinsey does a survey every year, the 2020 version said the two things that patients want that would define an exceptional experience at a physician or a hospital are to feel heard. Like you just said, my foot's broken and to feel and to understand what the next step is. Often yes. that understanding thing doesn't happen from the provider themselves. It happens from someone else who shoves papers in your hand and we have to check this off because it's a requirement, but it's important to just take a minute to make eye contact and make sure there's no question and not just check, 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 which so many, not just, not just your system, but all systems can shuffle. No. Yeah. I believe it. Wow. So that episode was just a gold mine of, of information there. And I think that uh, your audience as well as my audience is going, is going to get a lot out of that. And I'm certainly going to be evaluating my next healthcare experience very carefully as well as my children, because I'm usually the person who uh, takes them for their, you know, their appointments and things. Yeah. Just that point you said about loyalty. Speaking of my children, we used to live like 10 minutes from the doctor's office and then we moved and I like them so much that the drive is now probably almost 30 minutes and there are closer offices that we could go to, but we continue to go to that one because I like our doctor. I like the office. I, I, you know, I'm at least face familiar with all of the receptionists and they always have, Mm -hmm. you know, just wonderful energy when we come in. Um, So there definitely is something to be said for that customer experience when it would be easier for me to just switch them and I could drive to a closer place. So True. I mean, the average retention rate in healthcare is less than 40%. So that's pretty telling that you've found one of the four in 10 who's worth driving extra for. So that's yes. great. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Customer lifetime value. We got to get retention up by putting the patient first. Yep. So I love that. So again, this was Sally Mildren, boss lady consulting. That's her company. She's the CEO, head consultant, and woman of just such technical expertise paired with amazing empathy from her 20 years experience. You know, as she said, going from being a therapist, you know, transitioning into marketing, and now working things from the perspective of a customer experience specialist. So Sally, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. All right. So we are going to have all of Sally's links in the show notes for this episode as well. And if you did not catch her first episode, you want to go back and listen to it because the amazing depth that she was able to get just in the short time for each of our episodes, I think really demonstrates 
how much she really believes in the work that she's doing in addition to how deep her knowledge runs. So if you felt like this episode, you know, really did something for you, please go ahead, like share, review us wherever it is you listen to podcasts. And again, this was an episode of the Defiant Business Podcast. Thank you so much for spending your time listening to this episode. And, you know, Sally and I hope to see you out there in the great world of social media. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Defiant Business Podcast. Please make sure that you've subscribed and do be sure to leave us a review if you found this episode at all helpful. And if you think it would be a great resource for someone else, be sure to share it with them. See you next time.